Good to have the children here with us today. Always good to see them. We have some uh, sermon notes for them if they didn't get them. Use those, use your own, whichever you want. Afterwards, we have the pastor's treasure box. And be thinking about it because I'm going to need two of you guys for some help later on here today. And so when I... What's that? Oh, you don't... No, you don't get one. You're you're past the age. I'm sorry. You get water instead. (laughs) Just in review of the things we had been going over. We've been in the series on Under the Surface that there are things that God has put on the inside of us that He wants to bring out. The last couple of weeks, we, we talked about being in sync with God. Then when we get synced up with God, things change. We use the example of when you have a Wi-Fi in your home and you connect in, you're used to doing all sorts of stuff. But how many have ever had that experience where you go out to the mall and you connect into theirs? Yeah. And all of a sudden, you can't do some things. And you got to get permissions and and log in and all sorts of stuff happens at a hotel. And suddenly, your phone that was able to do all this stuff now can't do some things because it's synced to something different. When we get synced to the flesh, when we get synced to the kingdom of Satan, we produce different things than when we're synced to God. We use the examples of Peter when he said, uh, you know, Jesus, you ought not to be teaching this way. Well, he got synced up to the devil's kingdom. Then Jesus said to him, get behind me, Satan. You don't need to be over here. We get synced up to our flesh. We produce flesh things instead of spirit things. We spent some time looking at, looking at that. Our key verse for this This part of being in sync came out of Romans chapter 12, verse 9, where it says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. And we spent some time looking at abhor. And abhor means to despise so much that you put distance between you and the thing you despise. And we use the example, of course, of spiders. Because many people don't like spiders. For some of you, it might be snakes. For some of you, it might be green leafy vegetables. Whatever it might be. It's something that you despise so much that you want to get yourself away from it. That's what he says. Abhor what is evil. And the word there, evil, means anything that is full of destruction, disaster, harm, or danger. Get yourself away from that. Then he goes on to say cling or make yourself a permanent bond to those things that are good. And these are things that are good, that are beneficial, that are helpful. This is what we want to do. We gave you some signs in the first when we were doing this on, we gave you some signs of that you're out of sync. I'm just going to run through them real quick because uh, the kids weren't here for this part. But we came, this came out of Romans chapter 12. We saw three areas. First off, our actions. Romans chapter 12, verses 10 through 21 talks about being kindly affectionate, in honor, giving preference to one another, diligent, rejoicing, patient, hospitable. These are things that t- say we're in sync with God. When we are kindly affectionate to one another, when we give honor, give preference to one another, when we are diligent in what we do, when we are rejoicing, when we are patient and we are hospitable. These are things that, that show us that. Our attitudes. We have an attitude of blessing, not of cursing. You get synced up to the wrong thing and somebody does something evil to you, what do you want to do? I want to return evil to them. That's the wrong sinking. Get synced back up to God. What's God say? Get synced back up in me. You're going to bless those who curse you. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Don't get too proud. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Don't be repaying evil for evil, but sow what is good. 
as much as depends on you. It doesn't all depend on you, but as much as does depend on you, the Word of God says, live peaceably with all men. He then went on and we talked about some agendas that we could have. Don't avenge yourselves. Don't write this up as an agenda. I'm going to get back at this person. That's the wrong thinking. Don't plot out how to, how to get even. Let God take care of it for you. Find ways to do good for your enemy. This is what the Word of God tells us to do. And don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Those are things we need to have. Last week we looked at complaining and despising. Two things of the list we have here of uh, what will pull you out of sync. And so we saw in Numbers chapter 11 that they were complaining. doesn't even say what they were complaining about. They were complaining. And when you're complaining, you are not rejoicing. The Word of God says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, which means you're supposed to rejoice. Now, we're not above this. I was uh, I was noticing this when I was following behind a car. I still remember the car. It was a white Mercedes. It was a white Mercedes. A little SUV thing that was in front of it. It was a lady that was driving this car. Yeah. That's yeah, not Miss Ethel. I know her car. I know her car. Usually, as I told you, most of the times you see people doing stupid stuff in cars. This, this is not always, but most of the time they are either driving a Honda or a Toyota. Every time I look at it, they're doing something stupid. What are they oh, yeah, they're, they're driving a Toyota. Huh? Doesn't mean all Toyota drivers are bad. It just seems, it seems most of the time I get behind one and they're doing something stupid. They pulled out in front of you. They didn't put their turn signal on. They crossed in the middle of an intersection. Look at the make of the car. Most of the time it's a Toyota or a Honda. You just, you find out if it's not true. <laughs> I don't know why that's true. But usually I look at that, and, oh yeah, there it is, it's one of those. <laughs> but this one was not, this was a Mercedes. And they just were doing a lot of annoying things. I mean, a lot. I was behind them, I had no place to go, I was stuck behind them. And um, just, you know, it, the speed limit on this one particular road we were on was 40, which was way below what it should be. It was on the 202 bypass. The, the 202 bypass should not be 40 miles an hour, but it is. I Most people go 45 or 50 on there, but you will get stopped. I have seen the, the speed trap set up on there. But anyway, this person was not doing 40. They were doing 30 the whole way. And there was no place to pass them. Beside that, I was behind this person when the traffic light to turn on to the 202 spot. And, of course, the light turned green and they didn't move. You get a little green arrow for a little while. But then after a while, that arrow goes away and you're not getting a chance to, to make this turn. And they did... They just sat there. They weren't, they weren't watching what they were doing. Well, it wasn't just that. There were some other things they kept doing. And I, I noticed this about myself. <laughs> I got out of the area of rejoicing and I got into the area of complaining. How many can relate that you've done that? And I'm sitting back there complaining about this person and the way they are driving. And then it hit me. Steve, you're not rejoicing. Dear Lord, that's right. That's okay. All right, let's get that corrected. So I did correct it. <laughs> but how easy is it that you can get unsynced? And if you are complaining, you are not synced up with God. I don't care what you're complaining about. If you are complaining, you are not in sync with God. Just know it. So if you want to complain about something, you must also know that you're giving up being synced. And you see, when we are not synced with God, we make stupid decisions. We do. We make stupid decisions. 
decisions that we shouldn't make, but we made them. So that was the first thing, complaining about things, not rejoicing. And the second one was despising God's blessings. That God had blessed the children of Israel with some things, uh, particularly manna, and they were despising it. This manna. I don't like this manna. You have no food otherwise. And of course the quail came and the God wasn't too pleased with them and people started dying. That's not good. But don't despise the blessings of God. You have been blessed by God with some things and it's easy for us to despise it. Think about this. When you first got that job you have and how happy you were. That you, oh, glory to God, I got this job. In fact, you even believe in God. Father God, I believe that I can, I have favor to get this job. And then after a little while, you become unsatisfied. We start despising the thing that God gave us, the blessing, just like the children of Israel here did. I had this quote written down. Uh, when there is despising in the heart, there is murmuring in the mouth. If we despise something in our heart, folks, we're going to talk bad about it. How much you respect something is going to be revealed by how you talk about it. Now think about this, husband and the wives. How do you talk about your husband or wife? That'll talk about, that'll tell you how you, how you really think about it. If you talk badly about your children, what's that saying? I'm despising the blessing of God. Don't, don't be doing that. All right, let's get into our, our passage here. And I was surprised. I always tell you, I go back through and I look through all the notes from all the years and check out when the last time was we, we taught this. 2011, November. It's the last time I went over this passage of Scripture. I was kind of surprised at that. Because I'm thinking that I've, I've taught this more. Now, I said that to the folks on Wednesday night. We were teaching on Jonathan one night. And I, said, I was sure I had taught on this. And I couldn't find a single time when I just focused the entire night on Jonathan. So we did that one Wednesday a few, a few weeks ago. And uh, spend some time on that. But here, uh, back on 2011, the last time we spent a full full service just looking at this. We made references to it, and you're going to uh, remember some of the references, I think. But here, Numbers chapter 12, it says, then. Now, you know what that means to me? It means Numbers chapter 12 comes after Numbers chapter 11, which is the verse of scriptures, verses of scriptures we just looked at last time where we had complaining and despising and people died. People complained and people died. People despised and people died. And then, after, right after that, I mean, we're looking the next day, not long after this, but then, after we did all this, then, two people got a brilliant idea. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman. Boy, this is something. You can lean on this. Will you look at that? Huh. Man, I don't feel like it's going to fall apart on me or you lean on it, it's just going to collapse. I can lean on this sucker. This is all right. I can really get into a tune and start pounding on it a little bit there. <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. <laughs> so they're speaking against Moses. So we <laughs> got a little echo in here, huh? <laughs> so Miriam and Andrew see something that happened and they decide to talk about it in a negative way. This is after they saw the people complained. And this is after 
They saw them despise the blessing that God had given them. And they decided, we're going to talk about Moses. And the reason for it was, they didn't like who he married. Now, we're not told why he didn't like who they married. All that, we're, all that is mentioned is that she's an Ethiopian woman. So maybe the fact that she was Ethiopian. Now, I've heard a lot of people talk about this. You know, Ethiopian people have darker skin than Jewish people. That might be what it was. Maybe it was the, maybe there was a skin issue there. I don't know. Maybe it's just the fact that she was foreign. We should not be having our leader marrying a, a foreign person. And that maybe they just didn't like that. Maybe they didn't like it that, that Moses got remarried. Because you remember he had a wife before. And she despised them and decided to leave in the middle of their trek back over to Egypt. We don't know what the reason was, but this is the thing that tipped it off. So he has married this Ethiopian woman. Apparently he had already done so. It didn't seem to be right after the wedding. It just says that he had. So at some point in there, he got married. Isn't that kind of amazing that Moses leaves that whole thing out? I mean, if it's up to Moses, he probably never even told you that he got remarried. He's writing the book. He just goes right on there and says, well, you know, these folks, they rose up because I had married an Ethiopian woman, basically is what he's saying. Otherwise, we wouldn't have found out about it. But he married this this other person. And for whatever the reason was, maybe one we're not even thinking of, they decided to get upset. But notice this. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. Now look at it right here. If you are going to speak against someone because of the person they married, what kind of things are you going to speak against? What kind of things are you going to say? Well, if he was spiritual, he would not have married that woman. Right? Maybe something along those lines. Were there not enough Israelite women for Moses to pick from? Now remember, we looked into chapter 4. There's a, it's a mixed company here. Just because she's Ethiopian doesn't mean she wasn't part of the company. She could have come out from Egypt. Don't, don't know. He doesn't tell us any of that. doesn't give us any information. I wonder if they got up to heaven and the Ethiopian woman says, turns to Moses and says, You didn't write anything about me? <laughs> Nothing? Didn't I help you in ministry? Didn't I do this for you? What about the time when I did... Why is that not in the book? Can you see that happening maybe? (laughs) Nothing about her. There's more in that book about your sister than there is me. I can see that one coming out too. (laughs) Mm -mm. All right, so let's find out. It seems, well, let's, let's, let's go on here. I think I had a couple of blanks in there on that verse. Let me go on to the next verse. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? I don't know about you, but I wasn't ready for that. Has the Lord indeed only spoken through? That's what you're going to complain about? You got upset because of who he married? But what you're going to complain about is who God speaks through? That doesn't quite seem seem uh, right there. 
So this is what they go off on. They begin to murmur. That's the word of God uses. That's the word that it uses here. They begin to murmur. Now murmuring sounds a lot about complaining. I divided it for you this way. I think somewhere in your outline I put it there. Complaining is about things. Murmuring is about people. If you murmur, you're murmuring about people. Somebody in your life. If you're complaining, it's generally about things. Things that happened, things that didn't happen. Things you think should have happened. Now maybe they think that because they're leaders and the rest of the situations in Numbers chapter 11 happened to the peons, you know, the little people. We're the, we're the leaders. I'm the high priest. I'm the prophetess. Surely, God has respect for us. I don't know what the, what it is, but most likely they think that they are doing this because they are right. Isn't that, isn't that why they're doing it? I mean, why do you murmur about people and don't say that you have it? How many of you ever talk badly about your boss? Anybody ever talk badly about your boss? Sometimes we do. Sometimes that happens. And uh, you thought you were all right with that. You thought you were good. I can talk about my boss this way. I can say this. Because uh, they should have treated me better. They should have paid me more. They should have done this. You talk about your coworkers. Murmur about them. Why? Well, they're lazy. Well, they don't remember what they're supposed to do. Well, because there's... I, I, this is always good. Sit around complaining about your coworkers because they sit around complaining. <laughs> the reason that we fall into complaining, and the reason we fall into murmuring, even despising, is because we think we're right. I got out of sync, but I still think I'm right because I haven't been able to tell. Just like your phone, when you go from one to another, you can't always tell that you switched to a different network, a different Wi-Fi. When we are out of sync, even doing what is blatantly wrong will seem good to us. It will seem good. Now here's the trigger. The trigger was that he got married to this one and maybe when they got married they didn't think too highly of it but then something happened. She said something. She did something. She got preferential treatment on something. Whatever it might be, it triggered it. So then they began to to go off on this. So they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has He not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now how many of you can tell just from the way it says that, and the Lord heard it, you can tell the Lord is not in this. <laughs> he heard it. Hmm. This isn't, uh, this probably isn't going to go well. But they think they're doing all right. Now, verse 3 is a very puzzling verse. Now, the man Moses was very humbly, humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Who wrote this book? <laughs> Moses wrote the book. And Moses makes a little note in there. Now, just so you all know. Now, let me put this in the, in the language that you understand this. Just so you all know, I am the most humble man who has ever walked on the face of the earth. Isn't that what he's saying? 
Now, for most of us, that goes against what you should, what a humble person should do. Because a humble person should acknowledge that I am not humble. But if you're not humble, then you need to attain more humility. But if you're already humble, then you don't really need to. So how is it that you become more humble? You have to recognize it less. And if I recognize it less, then I'm going to be focused on it more. And then I'll be focused on doing something that I don't need work on. That's kind of stupid. But that's what we think. Well, if I'm humble, I don't, uh, I don't let people know about it. Apparently that's not the case. Because it made the Word of God that the most humble man who ever walked on the face of the earth tells everybody, look, this is the scoop. Hmm. So why is he saying that? You see, a humble person may know that they're humble, but they don't project themselves to be recognized. What Moses is saying here is they're upset because they think that I believe only God speaks through me. That's what they that's what they think. But the truth is, that's not the way that it is. I've never stood up and told anybody, I am the prophet of God. I've never stood up and told anybody, God only speaks through me. All I have ever done is when God has given me a word, I deliver it. And if God gives it to someone else, that's fine. But if God gives me the word, I need to deliver it. And he does. And when people came against him, and then God started coming against them for coming against him. He prayed for them. Constantly. They owed him their very lives. But he never focused on that. See, that's more what humility is. Humility is not thinking that you're nobody. Not worth anything. That's not what humility is. Humility is not speaking about your humility. Just ignoring it. That's not what humility is. See, if the enemy can get you to focus on the wrong thing, then you'll never do the right thing. Don't focus on the wrong thing. If you're humble, apparently you can say it. But he lived the walk too. He, he, he lived it. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Where do you think that thought comes from? Hmm. Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? What does that sound eerily similar to? Genesis chapter 3. Has the Lord said? Boy, are his, uh, his fingerprints on this. You see, the high priest of Israel, get this, the high priest of Israel has just yielded to a wrong, a wrong spirit and does not know it. He doesn't know it. He thinks he's hearing from God. He thinks God has inspired this. He thinks God has come on the inside of him and said, see that Moses character over there? I don't know where he got the idea that he's the only one who's speaking for me because I speak to you too. He thinks that's God. We got to be careful. 
So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the focus seems to be on what the Lord has, uh, seems to, seems to be on what the Lord has done. Has the Lord spoken through Moses only? Has the Lord not spoken through us? That's what seems to be the focus. But actually it's about their role. They're feeling dissatisfied with their role. So I wrote in your outline their, their unsatisfaction with it. That's really the focus. I am unsatisfied with the role that we have. We want something a little bit different. This is the goal of the enemy. It's to get you to not be content in what you have. That's what he's going to do. He's going to try and, and, and sow thoughts into you to get you to not be content with what you have. He wants you uncontent with your job. He wants you uncontent with your spouse, with your kids. He wants you uncontent with your dog. He wants you uncontent with your house, uncontent with your car, uncontent with how much is in your bank account, uncontent with your friends, your coworkers, whoever is in your life. He wants to get you to the place that you become discontented with those people. And he will say things to you about that. That's the goal of the enemy, to get you to not be content in what you have. This leads to despising the thing that you got. Because I'm not going to despise something I'm content with. I become discontent with it, and then I begin to despise it. I may have ever liked watching that show NCIS. Oh yeah. The show's been on since the dinosaurs roamed the earth. Seems. <laughs> but it's always kind of fun. The main character in there, Gibbs. What kind of a phone does he use? He uses a flip phone. I remember one episode where they had a whole drawer full of them. Because he keeps breaking them. Had a whole drawer. As soon as he breaks one, they just replace it, put another one in there. He doesn't like the new stuff. Because he's satisfied with what he's got. Why do most people end up getting a new phone? Because I'm unsatisfied with what I got. You know, it doesn't work. I mean, some, some reasons can be valid. Just because you got a new phone doesn't mean that it's invalid. Sometimes, you know, if it's not working, if it's not holding the call anymore, if it's not, uh, there's reason to become unsatisfied. But that's what the enemy wants to get you to do is the stuff that's working in your life. He wants to get you uncontent. Get you to not be content what you have. Here's the second thing he wants to do. Coveting what you do not have. Oh, you see what that person has over there? I want that. That position that Moses has when he comes out of the tent of meeting and his face glows and people look at him. I want that. I should have that. God speaks to me too. And here's the third one. And consumed with getting it. The enemy wants you to be consumed with getting it. I am going to get that one way or another. I am going to get that. Now, I told you I needed two of the children to volunteer. Two, two of you. I need two volunteers. Who we got? I knew they would all jump in at once. You don't know if it's good. You don't know if it's bad. It's just, you know, who knows? I right, got, got one over here. It's, I don't know. I got one. Come on. We only got three. We're missing a whole lot of kids here today, so. Oh, yeah, come on. I, think, I, I saw your hand first. All right, you got both of you. All right. Now then, 
We got two volunteers. I need one of you to sit down in the front row somewhere. Okay. He was a volunteer. He uh, he sat down on the on the row. That means you you are the guy up. Is that okay? All right. I have something for him. I said, now you did not ask for anything when you came up here, did you? You didn't really expect that you were going to get anything. I just said I need two volunteers. But I'm going to give you something that you did not ask for. In fact, you didn't have to do anything to earn it. Now, that's for you to keep. It's not just an example that you have to get back. I want you to keep that. Did you do anything at all to, to earn that? Did I tell you beforehand you are going to get this? No? So you just came up here and got a dollar richer, right? All right. Are you, are you glad? Yeah? Are you thinking about some things you can spend a dollar on? I mean, it's not a whole lot of money, but you can go out there and get yourself some. some. All right, go ahead and have a seat. Back where you were. That's good. All right, come on. Stand up. Now, I got something for you, too. You ready? Now again, I didn't, we didn't arrange anything beforehand. Right? You just, uh, you didn't come up here expecting anything. Now you're expecting something. <laughs> but you didn't come up here expecting anything, right? So, um, I got something for you too. And, um, I just wanted, are you still happy? Yeah? Okay, good. I right, just want to make sure. Alright, I got something for you. You ready? I got $2 for you. That's twice as much as your brother. <laughs> twice as much for doing nothing. Nothing at all. Does that make you feel pretty good? Yeah. yeah. Are you feeling better because you got it instead of your brother? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's good. Like honesty. All right. Go ahead and have a seat. Now, we see that now. First off, we, we, we see the, the first time we get it, we get the dollar and we can begin to think what? Man, this is cool. All right. This is, this is alright. I got a dollar. But then all of a sudden when somebody else gets two dollars, what are we thinking? Wait a minute. I only got one. We're not thinking that nobody else got any. We suddenly begin to think that I only got one. Now I didn't ask you what you were thinking because I knew you'd give me some super spiritual answer and you'd probably tell me, no, I'm just grateful for the dollar. <laughs> and that would mess me up. <laughs> but just, you see, when we have something, God has given us a blessing. God has given us a gift. We're grateful for, oh, thank you, Father. Thank you for this. I'm so, I'm so glad for it. You called me to be the high priest of your people, the first high priest of your people. Muriel could be saying, God, you have called me into the office of a prophetess to speak your words to this people. What an honor. What an honor. And then Moses is called. And it seems like God's spending all this time with Moses. He's in the tent of meeting with Moses. Moses comes out and does all the miracles. We just get to sit around and watch. And the seed gets sown. Don't you want some of what Moses has? And we begin to think, yeah, I want some of that. I think I deserve some of that. I've been faithful high priest for a long time. I think I ought to get a little bit of that action that's going on over there. And so this has been coming up in their, in their mind, on the inside of them, because every once in a while they get synced over here. 
And then he keeps calling them, keeps calling them. Feel jealous. I want you to feel some covetousness about that gift that Moses has. I want you to feel discontented about what you've got. And more and more I'm being brought over into this area. Until pretty much I just sink up to that. And this is all I'm thinking about. I'm discontent. I'm mad. I wanted the two dollars. I got one. This is no good. I deserve to have more. And we become discontent with whatever it is that we're doing for God. Because it's not what somebody else is doing. And they're getting preferential treatment. And God's treating them better. God's speaking to them better. Whatever it might be. We don't know what role Moses new wife had in the place. What if Moses put her into a role and took some of the responsibilities from Miriam and gave them to her? We don't know if that happened. We don't know if it didn't happen. We don't know. We aren't told. Moses isn't talking about her. But something happened caused them to be thinking this way. So much so that even after all that and people dying... They still had that. Some time ago, we talked about this word entitlement. People sometimes feel entitled. I gave you a definition of it. To give a person the right to do or have something to qualify or allow, to give a name or a title to, to confer a title or rank, uh, a title of rank or honor upon. And then people sometimes begin to think, well, I should be having that. I am entitled. And even though no one has entitled them to it, I'm beginning to think I'm entitled to that just because, you know, just like in the, you know, you play soccer. I'm entitled to a trophy. I'm entitled to a trophy. I didn't win anything, lost every game, but I'm entitled to it because I showed up. I was here. Who was that, that Pittsburgh Steeler linebacker? Made his son go back and give back the uh, participation award. Anybody remember hearing about that one? I forget his name. Who, who did it. I love the fact that he did it. Took his son back in and says, you will not be giving my son any participation trophy. If he gets a trophy, he earns it. That's, that's pretty cool. If I feel entitled to something, it's because I feel that something has been denied to me that I have earned or deserved. We didn't come to this knowledge on our own. Other people sowed some seeds and sometimes with the intent. How many of you watched the movie? And, you know, the the villain in the movie? Sow seeds of discontent. That should be yours. You ever seen that go on? And you're watching from the outside. It's so easy for you to see it. And you get mad at that person for stirring up all this trouble. That should be yours. But what happens in, in our own life, we don't see it. However the seeds come, folks, it's you who waters them. Doesn't matter if somebody else put the seeds in, your, in you. Doesn't matter what. It's you that's watered them. The reason that 
Moses inserts this part about humility is because if you are humble, you don't water the seeds. Humble people don't water these kind of seeds. They don't water seeds of discontentment. They don't water them. They don't water seeds of entitlement. I should have that. They don't water seeds of covetousness. I want what that person has. It doesn't water it. If you water the seeds like this in your life that come in, if you water them, you are not humble. You are prideful and you got a problem. The only way that these seeds get watered is if you have pride in your life. Oh, I should have that. That's pride. It's the only way they get watered. That's why he inserts this in this spot. Verse 4. Suddenly. That's, that's uh, a word that was thrown around last week, wasn't it? <laughs> in, a, in a good way, this is not good. This is not good. Think of it this way. When you were young, or you still are young, and suddenly your mom burst into the room. Is this a good thing? It's probably not a good thing. This is, this is probably bad. Um, when suddenly people come in into our presence and speak things, do things, it's not generally a good thing. Something, there's some emergency. Up. Doesn't mean I did anything wrong, but it means somehow they're taking immediate action. If somebody suddenly comes in and said, there's a fire, you didn't do anything wrong, but they want you to take action. They're suddenly coming in. Suddenly. Well, suddenly it says. Suddenly it says. Look what. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out you three to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. Now, if you're Aaron and Miriam and you got confident enough that these seeds of discord that you've been going around on the inside of you, that you were free enough to talk to each other, I've been feeling the same thing. I've been thinking exactly those same thoughts. Oh, this must be God. God must be leading this in this way and we need to straighten Moses out. This is where they are. And then God calls all three of you to come in. You're probably thinking, God's going to get them. God is going to set him straight. This is what we've been waiting for. Knew it. They're probably so far gone on this thing, they can't even tell that they're about ready to get rebuked. So, suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. Then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the, in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both went forward. Maybe thinking, I thought they were going to call him. Call us. This isn't good. Then he said, hear now my words. <laughs> now, notice this. All that God is going to do in this discourse, all that he is going to do is speak words. That's all he's going to do. Keep that in mind. Is there a prophet among you? I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face. 
even plainly and not in dark sayings, and he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? <laughs> this is not going the way we thought. Why then were you not afraid? Now, he didn't say be afraid of God. He said, why were you not afraid to speak? This is the problem we have, folks. We will speak against people in the body of Christ and there is no fear. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? That's it. So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them and he departed. Now, does God pronounce any kind of a judgment on them? No. All he does is speak to them. That's it. And this cloud that had come down and now the cloud goes away. Before we go on to verse 10, how much more disrespectful can you, can you be? Think about this. How much more disrespectful can you be than to despise something that God has spoken highly about? How much more disrespectful can you be but to speak in a disrespectful way of something that God has spoken highly about. So what he is saying to him is, you are taking my servant Moses that I've continually to speak highly about and continue to operate at a high level in his life and you have chosen to speak against that. How were you not afraid? And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly, again there's that word, Miriam became leprous as white as snow. Then Aaron turned toward Miriam and there she was, a leper. Hmm. Now she's the only one affected out of the two. Aaron is not. Right? It's because God likes men better. I mean, isn't that right? <laughs> You're not sure, are you? <laughs> Now we know. That's not what it is. But did they not both speak? They both spoke against them. So there's a couple of, of reasons for this. There's only one being stricken. One was the instigator. It may be that Miriam was the first one who spoke up about this to Aaron. Aaron just agreed with her. Yeah, but he was feeling this. I don't, I don't know which one it is. Uh, the other one is that Aaron is protected by his office. I tend to look, to lean more on that one. Because you will notice some things that Aaron did a lot of messed up stuff including building the golden calves and that never suffered from it. But what happened? If you go back to the death of Aaron, I want you to go back to there sometime, give a few more chapters ahead of this, the death of Aaron. When Aaron has died, they had, it's a big ceremony and they say, take off the robe of the high priest from off of him. They took off the robe of the high priest off of him and they put it on his successor. Shortly after that, Aaron dies. He is no longer protected by the office. It has nothing to do with who is more guilty in my mind. Who is more guilty? One's a male, one's a female. It has nothing to do with that. Aaron is protected by his office, I think. And don't ever look at people in the body of Christ and say, well, why doesn't that person come under judgment? Apparently there's some protection just from the office that you stand in. But once that office is removed, it didn't go so well for Aaron. He died. All right, where do we leave off at? Verse 11, verse 10. 
Verse 11. So Aaron said to Moses, O my Lord, please do not lay the sin on us in which we have done foolishly and in which we have sinned. He's concerned about us. But the judgment has fallen upon who? Her. Not them. Her. But he sees the judgment come. He knows I'm just as guilty as she is. <laughs> we better get something going so that she is forgiven and restored. Otherwise, I could be next. So he's very passionate about this. Not because he loves his sister. <laughs> that might be there. But I think it's more because he's feeling like he could be next. Please do not let her be as one dead whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses cried out to the Lord saying, Please heal her, O God, I pray. And the Lord said to Moses, If her father had put her, uh, had spit in her face, would she not be shamed seven days? Why is a father going around spitting in the daughter's face? I don't know. But let her be, be shut out of the camp seven days and afterward she may be received again. Seven days. But what she, what these two people did affected the entire group. This time though, nobody died. Verse 15, so Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days and the people did not journey till Miriam was brought in again. The entire congregation had to wait until Miriam. Apparently the plan was for them to move on to another spot. But they had to stay there. Why are we not moving? Well, because Aaron and Miriam messed up <laughs> now, if you were, if you were one of the, um, um, we may have to go next door and talk to our neighbors. <laughs> I appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Sometimes they don't always realize we're over here on Sunday morning. Glory to God. But what they did affected everyone. They were leaders, and the entire group had to stay still. So they're going around saying, aren't we supposed to be moving? Yeah, but you know, those two, they were carrying on and acting up. And of course, they had done so just a few days before. But it's easy to point the finger at somebody else. And it says in verse 16, And afterward, the people moved from Hezeroth and camped in the wilderness of Paran. Now, I wrote this quote down. I had this written from uh, Brother Keith Moore. What you criticize, you will lose. What you praise you qualify yourself to have. Isn't that good? What you criticize, you will lose. What you praise, you qualify yourself to have. So think about that in the words that you choose and the things you're des- describing. Now, Brother Darrell, I'm going to need 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 13. I was going to say, tell you that at the beginning of the service and forgot. I got, I got, I'm giving you a few more minutes here. We don't need it just yet. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1 through 13. You can write that in your outline if you want to. We're going to be spending just a little bit of time there. But here, so complaining about things, despising God's blessing, and murmuring against people will get you out of sync. If you engage in these activities, you do not have to wonder, am I in sync with God? You know for a fact you are not. Because you cannot engage in complaining about things despising God's blessings or murmuring against God's people without being out of sync. Cannot do it. We've seen in these couple of chapters that if you embrace those activities, you are out of sync. 
And you can go through many more places in the Word of God where this happens as well. So have you become disqualified or dissatisfied in what God has given you? Because that's the first step to becoming disqualified. That The enemy wants you to become dissatisfied with your role in the body of Christ. Dissatisfied with what God has given you to do. Dissatisfied with what you have at your disposal to do. Well, I've only got two people in my life that I'm supposed to be putting into. Then put into those two people. But I want four. I want ten. I want more than what I have. You take those two and don't despise them. Put everything you got into it. Don't see other people as your obstacle in getting more. Aaron and Miriam saw Moses as the problem. Don't see other people. Don't talk down the role you have in the body of Christ. Well, I'm just an usher. Well, I just... Whatever it might be, don't put it down. Don't put it down. See, if you can start to put less into it, because your desire is for something else. Don't be doing that. If the enemy is looking for opportunities to get you to complain, despise, and murmur, if that's what the enemy is trying to do, if the enemy is trying to get opportunities for you to complain, to despise, and to murmur, what do you think God is looking for? God is looking for people who approach those opportunities and turn them down. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to murmur. I'm not going to despise. I'm resisting that and pushing that away. That's what God's looking for. He's looking for people who push this thing away. How many of y'all know Moses had a lot of reasons to complain? And last week we saw one time when he got out there and he started complaining. That the people, and they're despising the blessings of God, got him into a place where he started to complain. He didn't die. But that's, that's something that, that certainly happened. But the enemy is looking for opportunities here. Are you going to give them to him in your life? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Now again, I, I think you have a blank in there. I'll just give you this so you fill it in. But murmuring against God people, despising God's blessings, complaining about things will get you unsynced with God and you'll be making bad decisions. Just know it. Because out of sync with God, you will make decisions that will be bad. And some of them may haunt you. May plague you for a while. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all, all our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea. Talking about the Red Sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food. And all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. But with most of them, look at this, but with most of them, God was not well pleased. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. We've got to use them as an example to not be complaining, to not be despising, and to not be murmuring. Verse 7. And do not become idolaters as were some of them, as it is written. Now look at the examples he's using here. And he's relating this to idolatry. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Remember what that was about? 
down at the mountain, and we got the golden calves. Verse 8, Nor let us commit sexual morality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. That is from Numbers chapter 20, 24, and the women of Moab, which came from the council of Balaam. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. The serpents came up in Numbers chapter 21 when the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why did you bring us up out of the land of Egypt to die here in this wilderness? That's when the serpents came up. And that's what he's referring to there. Verse 10. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Numbers chapter 14 where the 12 spies were spent. We spent time on that two weeks ago. Now, all of these things happened to them as examples. Again, he's saying, as examples. And they were written for our abomination. I'm sorry, admonition. Excuse me. <laughs> That's a wrong word there. <laughs> Upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Let him who thinks he stands Take heed lest he fall. Let me put it to you another way. In the language of what we're talking about here. Let him who thinks he's in sync making God-like decisions take heed because you could fall. Let him who think he is saying what God has said but he has been come, become detached. Let him be careful lest he fall. That's what he's speaking about. Let him who thinks he stands take heed. Lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. Huh? Did you know this verse came after all these things? How many times have we quoted? No temptation has taken, overtaken you. He is specifically talking about the instances in the Word of God, the examples that we have of people who complained, despised, and murmured. It is a temptation for you to complain, to despise, and to murmur. But he says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now I'm going to give you one more verse that's outside the range that I gave Brother Darrell. That's the next verse. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. It's a real simple verse. Flee from idolatry. Remember he talked about it in the beginning? Talking about this is idolatry? He's still on the same topic. This is idolatry. When we fall in to complaining, to despising, and to murmuring, when we fall into those things, what does Paul relate it to? And how many of you see yourselves as idolaters? But often we have fallen into complaining, despising, and murmuring. And Paul relates it to idolatry. You would be appalled if you thought that God looked at you as an idolater. And yet, there it is. Flee from idolatry. In other words, when the seeds come in for you to complain, when the seeds come in for you to despise the blessings of God, when the seeds come in for you to murmur against those that God has put in positions to help you, Flee. Flee. Just like you would from a spider. A snake. Whatever it might be. Flee. Get away from it. Get away from it. 
Would y'all stand up with me? Father God, you've given us some very strong warnings in the Word of God that we need to flee these things that you look at as idolatry. That we need to get out of the area of complaining. Out of the area of despising the things you have blessed us with. Out of the place of mercy against God's people. Because you don't look kindly upon it. And it pulls us into an area where we are no longer synced with God through the Holy Spirit. When we have become synced with something else. And we're going to produce the fruits of that something else. I thank you, Father, that you minister to us, that you help us to overcome. That just because a temptation comes does not mean we have to give in to it. But we can stand against it. That there will be no complaining, no murmuring, no despising in our life. But every time that temptation comes up, I know that we are well able to overcome. Glory to God. With every head bowed, no one looking around. If you're here today and you say, you know, there have been times, maybe even recent times, where I have fallen into complaining about things, despising God's blessings, or murmuring against people. I never looked at it as severe as what the Word of God shows me it is. But if you're here and you say, uh, some of these areas, they have pulled me in, raise your hand. Just a confession before God. God, I have given in to this type of thing. There it is. Father God, do you see that? We can openly confess that we have complained, we have murmured, we have despised. But we repent of that now. And I thank you. There is forgiveness. We're going to move on. Not complaining. Not murmuring. Not despising. But staying in the place of rejoicing. Giving thanks. Not coveting, but enjoying the other gifts that you have put around us. I thank you for it. I give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we go, we have some prayer requests. Brother Keith, how many prayer requests and praise reports do you have? Just one? One and one. Okay, that's we're, we're, we're falling off here. We got some of the kids over here. And I know in uh, Super Church and in um, uh, Sunday School that you guys give praise reports and you guys give give stuff like that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you guys. You're gonna just show off here to the to the adults in the in the room. That um, I'm, if so, can we get each now? If you don't have something to do, that you don't have to. But I was gonna ask each of our kids. We got how many here? One, two, and three. Boy, we're missing a bunch of them. All right, bring them on up. If, if you guys want to, I want you to come on up and Brother Keith, just give him a microphone. And I want you to do in one sentence, I want you to give me a praise report and or prayer request. Whichever it might be. You can do one of each and you get two sentences. But I know something about you kids, you guys can do it quick. Brother Keith, come on up. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. For his mercy endureth forever. You know, it's hard 
to complain when you're giving God glory, when you're acknowledging him for who he is. It's awful hard. So as we sandwich praise around our service, we always want to look at giving God what is due to him. Young men, you have anything for us? Yes, come on up. Alicia, yes. Come on up. All right. And I have one praise report from Sister Marguerite. Dad is out of the hospital and rehab and back home after a stroke. Glory to God. After a stroke one month ago, I thank God for his faithfulness to all of us. All right. Who's first? You're first. Um, so recently, I mean, not recently, but like at the start of the school year, um, I got an instrument and I was practicing it a lot. And I, once we started playing some notes on it, I, um, like hadn't really got the hang of the F note and like I was playing it correctly, but it wouldn't come out right. But then somehow one day when we were practicing it came out correctly and it uh, didn't stop it stopped not coming out not correctly and it just like started to happen more better and I started learning it more better and it kept on working okay so we give thanks to the Lord We'll give thanks to the Lord for his mercy endures. I just want to give thanks to the Lord because he because his mercy endures forever. There you go. So, um, mine's more of a prayer request. A couple of the kids in my class have been really sick. My one friend, he has to get a kidney transplant this summer. Um, He has a kidney disorder that he was born with, and this is his second kidney transplant. Um, and my friend, my other friend, she has to get a surgery over our Christmas vacation for, she has like a molar or something that won't come out. Um, and she just has, she's a little worried about it. So just want her to pray for us. Um, what's it say? I'll give thanks to the Lord for his, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. There you go. Uh Uh-huh. There you go. Um. I want to give thanks to the Lord for um, helping me finish the first working period in my school. Well, um, in my Spanish class, I got chosen for um, student of the month for showing creativity and um, effort that I put into the class. And I ended the marking period getting an honor roll. So I give thanks to the Lord for his good. For his mercy endures forever. Thank you. I am thankful for that my... For my grandma's dog, she is healed because it might be her lower back that hurts her because it's it's not helping her because it hurts her. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Because his mercy. Because his mercy endures, endures forever. forever. All right. 